0: Welcome to the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's good to be with you again this week. Uh, excited to be with my friend, Brother Kyle Lyons. Brother Lyons, welcome.
1: <coughs> Thank you. I. You said go to start the thing and instantly I had to cough. So, oh, I was, <laughs> hold go ahead. Cough now. I'll do that. There we go. man yeah. That's funny. So uh, exciting uh,
0: times. We're we're going to be in uh, First and Second Timothy today and Titus and Philemon. At least they're in the block. I don't know that we're going to get there, but uh, but they're there for us to study if we if we have time some time today. Uh, before we jump in, Brother Lyons, what's new in your life? What's new in your world? Um,
1: just listen, guys. I don't, for anyone who listens to this, babies are the best. Yeah. Okay, you gotta, you gotta get a baby or be around babies. Whatever you need to do, babies are good. Babies, yeah. We just my I've got a, a girl who uh, she'll turn Claire will turn three in December, and mm-hmm. then Ben just turned one, and and anyway, I I just they and I you know I actually have to add something to this. Every time I talk about the joy I have having had babies. Um, like there's just there's my heart is just filled with um <laughs> pain and sorrow. That's there's, there's, cool. There's yeah, okay. That. okay, don't explain that. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just end it yeah. right there. <laughs> no, I just uh, my wife and I struggled to have kids for a really long time. Yeah. And so and and sometimes those stories end up where like us where you do have kids and sometimes those stories end up where you, you don't never have kids of your own. Yeah. And um and anyway, I just my heart is just full of love and understanding for people who want to have kids and can't or want to get married and it's just not happening yeah. or whatever the case may be I, through that experience I will say this I know that uh, that the experiences that God gives us are meant to bring us joy and that joy comes from consecrating ourselves to him yeah. not from it doesn't come from serving missions, it doesn't come from getting married it comes from consecrating our life to him yeah. so anyway get a baby if you can if you
0: can <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that well um, brother lion you're you're a, you're a resource to us all in the, in the valley here as a, a seminary and Institute guy you actually get to work with the new teachers uh-huh. trying to get hired yeah um, anything you'd say I mean given a perfect opportunity for those in our valley to yeah uh, to, to speak to them what would you what would you say to those out there maybe be interesting I would just say
1: that uh, kind of in the same tone that I was just sharing you know I just as we consecrate our lives to God and do his will, we feel joy. Like, joy is just the feeling we get as we become like Christ. That's, like, that's how I kind of defined it in my experience. And um, and in section 18 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Savior says, he, he, he poses a rhetorical question, how great shall be your joy if you bring one soul unto me? Yeah. How great therefore shall be your joy if you bring many souls unto yeah. me? And if you have a desire to gather Israel in a very, in, in one of the most meaningful ways, in my opinion, um, Come talk to me, and because because yeah. the students they need teachers, and um, we're always hiring. So yeah. if you have an interest in gathering Israel as a career, then please come come yeah. find me.
0: Yeah, I love that. In in locally, if you're here, then then that's the way to do it. If you're outside of the Boise area, outside of the valley, um, our region, even um, there is there is a guy like you somewhere.
1: It's actually me. I'm, I do the distant preacher oh, also. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're, you're the guy. So if you're in Boise or if you're in anywhere else other than Utah and Arizona, yeah. then, um, then yeah, I'm the guy.
0: Very cool. Including internationally? Are you the international? No, we
1: only hire in the United States.
0: Just this this space. Yeah. Well, I know we have some international listeners as well. So, um, But, yeah, so reach out to the Boise Institute. We'll connect you with Kyle mm-hmm. and uh, get you connected there. Well, brother, thank you. It's good to have you again uh, be with us. We've had a fantastic conversation about this block before we even <laughs> yeah. record. So to the recording <laughs> yeah. thirty minutes ago. <laughs> it's the uncut version, but but uh, excited to, to be in. And we find a lot in First and Second Timothy uh, that I think would be uh, our our primary resources today. There's more there anyway, um, but effectively, all four of these books, all four of these letters are to the same kinds of groups of people. So maybe I'll just give you that as a setup and then let you take us off.
1: Yeah. The, um, they're uh, in, you know, Christian or biblical scholarship. They're called the pastoral letters because, like you mentioned, they're written to individuals. And so kind of a fun little mindset change that, that I took when I started studying this week is uh, Paul isn't talking to groups of people anymore. Yeah. And even then, even with the Ephesians and the Romans, you could just feel a different sense of tone because those different groups of people had different needs. Yeah. And he even he even says some things in those letters that that when we read them, especially in our modern context, we're kind of like, uh, mm. what is, what's that? Wait, what is <laughs> what that, does that mean? Mean? What's he saying there? That doesn't yeah. seem very Christ-like right. or whatever. <laughs> and one of the things that has helped me understand those verses uh, just on such a higher level is recognizing... This was a, a specific historical mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And even then, it was a specific group of people. Yeah. And the letter to the Ephesians wasn't meant for the letter to the Romans. Yeah. If it was, he would have wrote, wrote, titled it Letter to the Romans and the Ephesians. Right, yeah, sure. Um, and so so if we had to be careful about making sure to keep these, these words within context with groups of people, it, it becomes even more important and, yeah. and also just so much fun to look, okay, this is written to one person, Timothy. Yeah. One guy, like, let's see what Paul, but that what Paul has to say, and then, and I just like to, to kind of play the game, like, what questions did Timothy write to him before this sure. that Paul's answering? What prompted this letter? the letter exactly. Right,
0: I love that, and I, I love what you said before we hit record too. That that this is basically letters to state presidents from apostles. Back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what would they say mm-hmm. that uh, you know these guys these Timothy types. Um, were the priesthood leader in their area and the counsel being given to them to help their yeah. their specific circumstance in their specific area yeah. I think is good for us to learn from and probably true generally across yeah. the board um, but maybe there were some things going on there very specifically that were kind of unique to
1: their area for sure maybe not as applicable to our yeah. our time here but. and uh, I just there's a couple talks Elder Christopherson gave one to Elder Ballard just recently well you know, in the last five to 10 years or so where elder Bauer especially gave a whole conference talk just on the sacredness of the Bible, that it is, it is worth our time and God preserved this text to bring us closer to the savior. And so, so it's just, I mean, when I think about Paul and how many of Paul's writings were preserved, like I just have so much confidence that he was an apostle, Jesus Christ. And just like the apostles today, Jesus spoke through him yeah. and And because these words written were so important and so uh, relevant to us today, Jesus Christ preserved them for us. Yeah. So it makes it kind of fun to go in and read through this. It does. does. Uh, Maybe we jump in. Chapter 1? Yep. Um, I I think there's some stuff in the first,
0: I don't know, five, six verses, maybe seven verses. But um, take us where you want to go, and if we want to come back to that, we can, or maybe that's where you want to start us.
1: Yeah. I I was immediately drawn to verse 5. Yeah. Paul says, now the end of the commandment, which, right, he's saying, you know, like, means versus end, right? So um, running is the means of staying healthy. Staying healthy is the end, right? Good. So he's saying the commandments, like the whole purpose of the commandments, the reason why we have them in the first place, he says, again, I'm starting in verse 5. Now the end, or in other words, the whole purpose of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned mm. and I just I thought about how often you know, Elder Rajman just gave a great talk on the first and second great commandment and how often those two commandments have been taught by current prophets and apostles um, I'll just read that straight from Matthew 22 also mm. Mm. so a lawyer comes to Jesus he says Master which is the great commandment in the law Jesus said unto him thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. Hmm. And the second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Again, meaning on these two commandments, everything else is really just meant to lead to, these. to that, right? Yeah. And Elder Rasban just recently sh- uh, clarified: He says the second commandment is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, implying the third commandment might be <laughs> love thyself, right? Yeah. Like we in our culture, I feel like we. Um, We can struggle to love ourselves, And and that's what Jesus is teaching. He's saying, you you are of divine origin. You have within you the potential to become just like God. Yeah. And there is far more to love about yourself than there is to to critique.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's President Nelson's counsel to us too, right? First, Mm -hmm. know who you are. Know whose you are, right? Yeah. That idea that if, if you know who you are and whose you are, You'll you will want to live in the commandments will be easier. God will prevail in your life. Yeah, you'll have uh, an eternal perspective. You'll think celestial, right? You yes. all those things will be true, if you start with the foundational know whose you are, right? I love I love five as well. I think I think the concept of charity. Yeah. Um, and of faith unfeigned. I love that line at the very yeah. end of that verse. I think sometimes. Um, we error when we, uh, when we go through the motions because that's what we're supposed to do. said. Uh, I was reading with some students earlier today, um, a, uh, a a talk from the early '80s uh, from President Kimball where he talks about how you can never be in a boring church meeting. Yeah. If, if the <laughs> meeting's failing you, it's he's you failing the meeting. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's but effectively he's saying. You're responsible for your own worship. You're yeah. responsible for, um, you know, your relationship to God and what you're getting out of a meeting isn't because the teacher didn't do it or the the speaker didn't do it. It's because you're not engaging in what's being said. Right. Because even if the teacher doesn't do it, and being a teacher, I know that sometimes I'm not doing it, right? Yeah, no, I hope they're getting something, but it's not for me yeah. probably, right? Yeah. So that concept of, of faith unfaked, basically, untamed, yeah. Um, is that, just that, that I would go to church knowing I'm going to grow and learn and, and be converted and have an experience every time I go. Yeah. Um, and that I don't just go and go through the motions expecting somebody to do it to me, right? It's, right? it's Elder Bednar talking about how we're agents to act and not to be acted upon, right? We I think yeah. sometimes we go thinking, I'm going to get something out of this. And if I give nothing to it and I get nothing out, well, it's not, it's not the meeting's fault. Right? It's my fault. Exactly. I didn't give anything to it. So maybe just back up a little bit, because I, I think back in 3, again, this being counseled to um, a, a priesthood leader, right? A mm-hmm. church leader at the time. I besought thee, speaking to Timothy, to abide yeah. still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine right so Timothy Timothy Timmy yeah.
1: <laughs> let's, a call pretty, little, let's call him little Tim yeah, little Tim yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure he didn't call him that
1: Timothy's supposed <laughs> to stay back
0: um, but uh, it's like it. sorry I, I'm on a tangent here yeah, it's like yeah. when an apostle is speaking <laughs> we get the occasion every once in a while to be around the apostles and and when they call one of the apostles, one of their peers, yeah. by not the name we would call them. Yeah. Like, yeah. like when they're call, calling Jeffrey R. Holland Jeff. Yeah. It just feels funny. Right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Maybe they just
1: call him Tim. There's I that know. feeling of intimacy that they have with each yeah. other that <laughs> is hard to have when you're watching a lot of TV. Right? Right?
0: Maybe he called him Tim, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that, that they would uh, not teach other doctrines, so that was Timothy's responsibility, was to, to oversee that. But then verse 4 neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith so to do. So the idea is, I sent, I sent you here in Ephesus to just manage and make sure that we weren't getting into gospel doctrine conversations, right where', yeah. where all we're doing is talking about this the context or the family genealogy that, that matters so much, kind of back to the idea that, they were still thinking that, you know, Hebrews were the only way and the and yeah. only people being saved.
1: But You can imagine, you know, a, a guy or gal in, in the church meeting going on about their genealogy and how they're directly connected to Abraham yeah. as if that was important for right. their salvation. And, yeah. of course, right? Jesus said, I can raise up a seed out of these stones, right? Yeah. I can raise up a right. seed a it." yeah.
0: Yeah, and so, so in connection there, I think, I think it's cool that uh, Paul is telling Timothy, your task is to manage your congregation that has these challenges. This challenge is we see it in our own words, right? Gospel mm-hmm. doctrine sometimes turns into well, how much does the teacher know? Um, and some and vain uh, ja- what's how what's vain janglings. Vain janglings. Yeah, where is that <laughs> is it verse six? Yeah. From which some have swerved <laughs> and turned aside unto vain janglings, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor wherefore they affirm. And I think sometimes that's what we get. Sometimes that's what we are, right? When we go and we teach, we want to... And we were kind of talking about it before before we hit record, too, right? The content mastery of a teacher is important, but it shouldn't be the thing that is being taught. Right. right? It should be a, a resource that the teacher has... To deepen the thought, to deepen the the, yeah. the
1: conversation. The Content Mastery basically enables the teacher to direct students in the scriptures to places where they will find their questions yeah. Most effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and we, you and I were talking about young teachers in particular mm-hmm. that come uh, to the seminary and institute world with less, maybe, background, mm-hmm. just life experience, right, and mm-hmm. less study time and all those things. Um, and, and maybe their tool bag is... A, a little less deep mm-hmm. I think about a young adult who got called to serve as an elders quorum president uh, over his 50 elders in his ward uh, young single adult ward maybe Yeah. and you know feeling inadequate because of his capacity his content knowledge right I don't even know how the elders quorum functions we have only been in it two years right <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. So it, and and so to to be called to given that kind of an assignment it does require that a young teacher and a young elders quorum president gets on the ball yeah. and gets in and studies but that shouldn't it shouldn't slow them down it shouldn't right. it shouldn't hinder their experience as a teacher but that they take that jumping on the ball and go too far with it they swerve right Yeah. The Paul, they would swerve into vain janglings desiring to be teachers of the law that's not the purpose of the law Yeah. not to just teach the law
1: yeah the purpose is to develop a love for God for others and for ourselves Yeah. right I just that that verse 5 and um, and to your point that you mentioned earlier and before I go on this uh, let me just go to verse 15 um, I'll just read the end it uh, says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief mm-hmm. right and we know Paul's background and, and we so we're not going to argue with them. Right. And, and I'll let me just before this just share like I, I mean, in terms of going to church and not doing my part,
0: sure.
1: I am chief. Like, don't, like, you, like, trust me, I've, I, I, I'm have not trying to brag about how little I've been out of church before, but just I don't want to sound like I'm on this high horse, you sure. know, here in here yeah. you know, on this bo- podcast. But, but I just, I've just i just found a lot of, um, I've received a lot of revelation when I go to church thinking about those three great commandments. Yeah. I am here to express my love for God. hmm to express my love for others and to see God's love that he has for me to, to understand how to love myself. And so, and I just, if you're struggling to get something out of church or you feel like it's just not doing it for you or whatever, just you, you might go in with that question, right? Like how is what I'm doing today going to help me develop a greater love for myself, for others and for God? Yeah. How does this commandment? How how might prayer? How might scripture study? How might serving others? The list goes on, right? How might yeah. the word of wisdom help me develop a greater love for myself, for others, and for God?
0: Yeah, that's really big, and I think I think you are the best resource for you about how to get that Amen. out of your worship service, right? Uh, the The question that we were working with this morning in that class we were in was um, someone that was dealing with. Being on the spectrum a little bit, mm-hmm. um, um, the autism spectrum uh, gets easily bored in a church meeting like that. Mm-hmm. How? What was the? And the question was, what counsel can you give someone yeah. like that? And and we kind of we, we talked about how the context of of the person writing the question is important because for sure um, somebody on the on the autism spectrum is going to have a harder time than someone who isn't on the spectrum that way, but but ultimately we all get bored in church right mm-hmm. and and so yes maybe it's worse for someone with that, with that challenge but but so we we kind of eliminated that problem as part of the question and we just said well, let's just talk about boredom at church yeah. boredom at, when I read my scriptures boredom when I'm yeah. supposed to be doing family evening or whatever it is yeah. and it was interesting when we came to uh, studying it we actually found that there's a lot of counsel about how to how to Not Be Bored at Church, actually. There's a whole bunch of articles that have been written about yeah. that, which was kind it's of surprising. Like, it's like it's a common problem or something. <laughs> yeah, like, true. who would have
1: thought that? Yeah.
0: Surprisingly, there are a whole bunch of youth ones. It's like all <laughs> in that new era. Back in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was funny because there was one in January of 2013 and November of 2014. So there was, like, a problem really happening in the 13th and 14th. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But one oh, of wow. those uh, articles, the one in November of 2014, has this quote from uh, Spencer W. Kimball? And maybe we'll maybe we'll ta- touch on this and then and then head a different direction. Okay. He says, "We do not go to the Sabbath meetings to be entertained or even solely to be instructed. We go to worship the Lord. It is an individual responsibility, and regardless of what is said from the pulpit, if one wishes to worship the Lord in the spirit and in truth, he may do so by attending his meetings, partaking of the sacrament, and contemplating the beauties of the gospel." If the service meeting is a failure to you, you have failed. No one can worship for you. You must do your own waiting upon the Lord. And I think that's such a powerful uh, quote because I blame so quickly mm. everybody around me. I blame my the teacher that didn't quite get it half as good as I would have gotten it if I got it the top, right. the I mean, S&I problems, right? Yeah. Um, it, or I blame the boring... Talk that he just read his talk, and there was nothing new in it. Right? It was, I blame everybody yeah. else for my own lack of worship, and uh, and I think exactly what is being said here uh, to the uh, to Timothy is is you're responsible priesthood leader for making sure that everyone understands where their worship should be. Yeah, and that you help your teachers stay on course.
1: My life changed. I read this article. This was like years ago but it was some academic scholarship article Mm -hmm. in the gospel. And there was a a sentence in there that says something like worship was, uh, God never implied that as part of worship, you would feel something, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just switched this paradigm in my mind that I'm not, I'm not going. Mm -hmm. And I I do feel the spirit and I do feel happy. Mm -hmm. I do feel a lot of things. A lot of times I go in worship, Mm -hmm. but that's not that's not what the worship is the worship yeah. is this act of faith this sacrifice that we're making and, and showing God our commitment to him
0: yeah. what an interesting visual that paints right think about Christ when he comes back and he comes to my space I will kneel and worship not because in my mind I'm thinking, oh, I hope he gives me. I hope I get. Right? It's because yes. I literally am there to worship Christ in that moment. That's what will happen. Yeah. And yet I go to church thinking, what well, can I get out of this? Yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. totally. A different different perspective. So. Totally. Thank you. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, chapter 2. Um, Talking about prayer a little bit. Um, maybe by verse 8. I like verse 8. Uh, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel and uh, shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And I think this—the idea that, uh, well, it, it maybe harkens to the uh, ramieumta a little bit. That you mm-hmm. know, when we when we turn our prayers into big spectacles um, and one of my favorite things to do as a teacher is to listen to the prayers offered by my students sometimes, not every time but sometimes you hear someone who knows how to speak to God and it's humble yeah. and it's not rote and there are very few rote phrases that he will reuse or she will, will use um, that, that idea that uh, our prayers can be uh, lifting up holy hands without yeah visuals right yeah yeah yeah. Just I, I just like touching on that idea
1: one of my good friends who teaches seminary and he's a pretty bold guy so you gotta talk about <laughs> taking things out of context sure right. I'm gonna tell the story everybody why well, that sounds like that sounds like a jerk he's not a jerk right? <laughs> he he loves his, his students as much as anyone I've ever met in my life but um, he would he's kind of a loud guy too you know and when a student said a prayer that was exactly how you just described it, he'd say "Amen." I mean, just loud. It from the back, big right? and loud. And when a kid uh, stood up and and kind of said a you know more flippant you know just quick. you know whatever quick little thing, uh-huh. uh, if he said "Amen" at all, he would say it quietly. And yeah. and so there was a spectrum, right? Say, he the loudness of his "Amen" mm-hmm. was, was a reference, was to, a how, reference how to how full it, mm-hmm. it was. And kid would tell. Uh, brother so and so, I guess you know it's a guy now. Uh, brother so and so, like <laughs> you didn't you didn't say Amen. He's like, well, that wasn't a prayer. <laughs> like we like I like that wasn't us talking to Heavenly Father. Yeah. Like if we were talking to Heavenly Father, how would it be different than what we just experienced? You know, and again, for those listening, I mean, this guy's not a jerk. I mean, he those kids loved him. He loved them, and and this was just his way of teaching them that it is it is not figurative. It's not a symbol it is literally like when we are praying we are talking to our creator the creator of the world our heavenly father and mm. um, and again like like 1 Timothy one fifteen. like I've said my fair share of real prayer so I'm not but but I also I have I do I know that he hears them
0: yeah yeah I I um, I think sometimes if you just remove the and maybe this is counsel that everybody already has and I don't know maybe I'm Saying the same things, but um, but sometimes just removing the simple, redundant phrases. Grateful for, thankful for. Ask thee that, right? I mean, if we if we just get rid of the the typical things, because ten they tend to be for me at least a place where I fill in the blank. Dear Heavenly yeah. Father, I'm grateful for. Pause. Think about something I'm grateful for. Fill in the blank. Yeah. And thankful for. Pause. Think about something I'm grateful for. Fill in the blank. We see yeah. that. Pause. There's refreshments. Yeah. Bless that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, right. We because we've created these rote prayers, and and not that that's bad. It's how you teach a child to pray, right? But but that as adults we we miss that like Heavenly Father, I really like that. Yeah. I mean, what is that? That's a totally different request or or gratitude yeah. or. Um, and I think just by removing some of those those rote phrases, yeah. our prayers
1: change. That's a know? good, that's some good practical <laughs> advice. I, um, I know that for me, it's getting up and going to a different room in my house. Yeah. Other than by my bed, like at night. Just standing up and going and praying out loud. Another thing that just, it's, it's hard to say a rote prayer when you are in an intentional life. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, maybe maybe we ought to just touch on the end of chapter two. Is there anywhere else in two you want to go until we get to the end of eleven through? 11?
1: I'm, I'm on. so you know what I'm excited for. Okay, so we're, exactly we're getting there. Fair, we're going. So, we're going. Yeah. We're going
0: <laughs> four. we're trying to get to four. Um, so so let me read this in uh, Timothy, just because I think it's worth some time. Uh, I'm, okay I'm just going to read exactly what's written yeah. and then if you've got some thoughts on this uh, feel free I'm going to read something that uh, the prophet Joseph Smith um, uh, talked about teachings from the prophet Joseph Smith page 209 but, but here's what uh, here's what was said by Paul again speaking to priesthood leaders let the women learn in silence with all subjection but I su- but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be silence. Now, I think in our culture, um, I think this uh, is offensive, just for flat sure. out offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go on, for Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved and childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So that's the end of the chapter there. It just seems to just lay women flat. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I don't know that, uh, first off, I don't know that we fully understand um, what was being said, what was being taught. Maybe maybe it is exactly what was culturally acceptable in the day to some degree. Um, but I don't know, and we'll, we'll talk about this here in a minute, I think, where... Culturally, I think God teaches us at the level we're ready for. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so we'll get there. Yeah. But Joseph Smith um, used these verses in connection to speaking about a woman in his day who had, um, well, I'll just read this. He says, Joseph, uh, sorry, Johanna Southcott professed to be a prophetess, wrote a book of prophecies in 1804. She became the founder of a people that are still extant or existent. She was to bring forth in a place appointed a son that was to be the Messiah, which thing has failed. Independent of this, however, there were to... Where do we read of women that were the founder of God's church in the word of God? Paul told women in his day to keep silence in the church, and that if they wished to know anything, to ask their husbands at home. He would not suffer a woman to rule or to usurp authority in the church. But here we find a woman, the founder of a church, the revelator and guide, the Alpha and Omega, contrary to all acknowledged rule, principle, and order. So Joseph uses these verses to speak about Paul's day Mm -hmm. and how in Paul's day it was not the order of the church to have, um, or, or or the pattern of God, to use women to lead and direct the church. Priesthood line of authority was not there, right? and maybe that's all that is being said here to priesthood leaders that um, the the priesthood keys lie with you and as important as your wife's counsel is and should be in your life uh, to be careful that that doesn't take over in your priesthood assignment to uh, or that, that they don't take over in, their, in that priesthood assignment that's such a hard thing to even say for me right because of how much I value and respect totally. my wife and and the women in our in our world, especially in the church. But I think that uh, that prophetic direction from the prophet in speaking about, he, he points very clearly to a woman who was trying to take authority as a prophet and lead and guide God's children on earth and that was not the way. And so with that context, I think it's fair to say that is what Paul's trying to teach here is that God uses a very specific pattern and he does not step outside of that pattern. Hasn't the history of the earth um, to have women lead the church? And so I think beyond that, I don't know that I'm going to say anymore. I think I think that's really what I I hope that is being said. Um, I think that uh, that my wife's counsel ought to be second in my mind to this the spirit, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and 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 it, it probably ought to influence me in my calling and in my. Assignment, but when it becomes more influential than God's direction, especially through the priesthood, um, then then I think we're erring, and I think that's what Paul's counsel here is.
1: I agree, and I, I think you can flip it around, right? It's, I think you'd say the same thing to a primary president or a least society president whose husband wants to yeah. run the lay society. Yeah. Like he'd would say no, like you're. You don't have that. Authority. That's not your authority. That's not your place. Yeah. She's she's got the priesthood. Authority in order to run the Relief Society yeah. and so you need to honor her in that same way that yeah. he's talking now to Timothy.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, singular yeah. Timothy's talking to Timothy, right? Yeah, no,
0: I appreciate that. And and, and again, I, I hope that that's received out there the way that it's intended. Um, I, I just feel like sometimes culturally we miss what was really being said, uh, especially with all the translations that have gone on in the, <laughs> in the scriptures. There is no, at least from here, uh, there's no cross-references um, the, the only cross-references in 12 on, on the word assert authority over the man speaks to the Greek translation of the words being used there saying exercise dominion, uh, be autocratic, domineering, um, and, and over the word silence, the Greek translation of those words as quietness and tranquility. You know, then there's something really beautiful in the last verse. Uh, notwithstanding all this, um, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness, with sobriety. Uh, the Joseph Smith translation of this is probably, um, you know, w- would be helpful. That women they is what the the Joseph Smith translation instead of she. Uh, they shall be saved in childbearing, um, is helpful there, but but I think. Um, ultimately the assignment to be a mother to to rear and to raise God's children on earth um, is the leadership role they were given Uh, it's interesting here that that's what's tied in here right after being saying their role is not to lead and guide the church but to lead and guide the home which probably is unequal uh, to God
1: yeah no absolutely and I'm just looking up this quote by C.S. Lewis he said the homemaker has the ultimate career all other careers exist for one purpose only, and that is to support yeah. the ultimate career. Right. And and I'm 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 not gonna speak, you know, politically or about I'm not gonna like I know a lot of amazing Christ like disciple women who are working and I'm no. like I'm not talking about anyone specific, but I just I have a testimony that the most important work we can do is gather in Israel. Yeah. Which I don't it it doesn't get more close to home than gathering at the home. children in it yeah. you know what i mean right and so so whatever people choose to do with their work home balance or whatever i just know that what happens in the home is more important than anything you do then yeah like so whether you're you know a uh, paralegal at a law firm looking over contracts or whether you're teaching piano or whether you're whatever your other job is like helping the children in your home like the that is a more important responsibility than any other thing that we could have and so so to be assigned that responsibility uh, I think is the highest honor like more more high than being the president or CEO of a company like being the being in the home with your children and helping them come closer to the savior is is the highest honor we can have
0: yeah, I appreciate it. I like the way you said that, too. I, I think it, it is an honor. I, I would I would say, well, maybe just to paint a little bit of a picture. Um, my wife has taught She's so fantastic. She's taught me some really wonderful things, and, and we're blessed to be able to have her be at home with our children, and she actually homeschools our, our younger kids. And and so we get to spend a lot of time with our children, and, and she is uh, an example to me in a lot of ways um, in, in just this, someone who is charitable, humble, recognizes Mm -hmm. her most important assignment, and then does it like the CEO of our company at home, right? Yeah. Um, She has taught me that, you know, when we look at the family proclamation, um, it really is the ideal, it's painting the ideal. And uh, she says, you know, if, if we look at that and we identify that that is basically a pattern, and, and with a, within the sewing construct, if we said, okay, it's sure. like a pattern, yeah. right? Here's all the parts and pieces you need. God, in marriage, gives all the fabric you need. But some mm-hmm. fabric looks different. Some fabric doesn't quite work the same way. You have to stitch things together in different ways with okay. some fabric than other fabrics. Maybe we aren't given the same amount of fabric in a lot of cases. Yeah. But ultimately, the fabric of the family we'll create a shirt, a beautiful shirt. Mm -hmm. And God wants us to all have a shirt. And the challenge is when sometimes in our marriages and in our homes and our families, we take that fabric and we say, I don't really want a shirt. I wanna make a pair of pants with the fabric I have. we create this new fangled thing and we try to claim it as a family and we try to say this is gonna have the same outcomes as this pattern I was given. Maybe my shirt by default doesn't have a pocket and everybody else's does. Or maybe my shirt's a slur- short sleeve right. shirt or it do, you know doesn't have any buttons or whatever. But it's still a shirt. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as what you're creating is still a shirt and you're using to your the best of your abilities the materials God gave you with God saying, make this alteration and that alteration, yes. then I think you're wholly within the bounds of the pattern that God's given you. But where we say... I was given the same material, but I'm making a shirt and God's going to be okay with it. Um, And my shirt has one sleeve, (laughs) right? Or whatever, because we've made that choice. I think that's where we err, and I think that's where we can get into danger and into trouble with our families and setting aside the the most important tasks, male or female, that we have uh, to help rear our children and and to bear them up to, to be members and followers of Christ's example in church. So... Anyway, yeah, I, I just God. wanted to touch on that. I, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a dangerous place to go, um, but, but I think it's it's worth looking at a little bit. Um, I might reference back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Some very yeah. similar things were said yeah. um, to the group of the Corinthians, right? Yeah. Um, but, and maybe this was, again, Timothy being in Corinth is yeah. now being directed again in that mm-hmm. thing. That, right. Hey, you know, be aware. This yeah. is a challenge that your people are struggling yeah. with, right? So yeah. maybe we see that right there. Okay, uh, chapter 3. Quickly, there is there a, a place we can go there? At the beginning of chapter 3 is talking about qualifications for a bishop. Yep. I, I might, I don't know, maybe there's maybe there's a lot we want to spend on in here. But I just love the first verse. Uh, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. I, I just think, how often in our lives are we especially as priesthood holders we're talking ooh you're bad if you, you want you want you you you're aspiring maybe, uh, yeah. I don't think that's true I I have I have probably been guilty of that the aspiring thing and the priesthood line of you mm-hmm. know sure. of callings and whatnot. but I actually think it's actually a good thing to think I have some skills and talents that, that maybe could help in my yeah. ward and if I was ever asked to do that I, I'd be okay doing that I'd be willing to help there yeah um, I think again with charity and humility, um, never really seeking after it and obviously not vying for that position, right? But, but Paul's very quickly and very clearly saying, it's okay if you want if you want that assignment, but here's some qualifications, right? And then he goes into uh, some qualifications: be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, patient, not a brawler, not covetous, uh, one that ruleth well his own house. Um, you know, if we go back into the book of Esther, uh, chapter 1, we, we can very quickly read a an example of a, a man who was not a good ruler of his house, mm-hmm. right? And, and maybe that's worth some time this week while you're studying, but... Um, having his children in subjection to it with all gravity. Anyway, I, I just I just like the counsel and direction given to what a bishop ought to be. I, I know my current bishop fits all these uh, these qualifications to a T and I love verse six, not a novice. <laughs> and then seven, moreover he must have a good report with them which are without lest he fall into a reproach and the snare of the devil. So good men. Serving in good assignments that are willing to serve and wanting to help and lift. I, I think it's what Paul's saying.
1: Yeah, and maybe I'll just add one thing before we move on. I just, you know, feel like as you get older, this there uh, you know, you get older, you get more experience, uh, you think you are wise, to put it <laughs> yes. Jacob did. Right, yeah. Um, and and I've definitely you know, I've had some whisperings in my mind of you know, like well maybe my bishop should do this, maybe <laughs> and 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 in my career and just there's just been a lot of things and and obviously the Lord wants us to have high initiative, right? And to and to think critically and things like that. Heavenly Father needs that. Yeah. Giving my local priesthood leaders the same support that I give the prophet, which is unfettered, unfeigned, one hundred percent that that's just the way that I found that has brought me the greatest peace and joy in my life. Yeah, and because again, as you get older, I, like when I was twelve, I wasn't like looking at my bishop and being like critical, like oh he should yeah. leave Sacramento this way. Like I just I right. I I, no, I didn't have a clue. I just was like yes, yeah. Yeah, my bishop. I'll yeah. do whatever he says. Yeah, right. Like, like, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. um, and now as I've gotten older, I I've had enough experiences to know that Jesus Christ has a hand in the selection of the prophet, just like he does our local leaders and giving them the same support I would give the Savior has been a path that's brought me a lot of peace and joy yeah I I love that I I think there's
0: uh, there's just safety there isn't there Mm -hmm. there's just safety in that I think it's important okay let's move into four yeah let's do it this is kind of where we wanted to go I think it's going to take us into 2 Timothy and back to four and out and back Mm -hmm. so we're going to bounce around a little bit here now so uh, follow with us buckle up um Chapter 4, you want to read?
1: Verse 1? Sure. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils.
0: Hmm.
1: Matt, I, can I just, uh, before we went on, I just loved some of your thoughts on this. Hmm. So, maybe, I mean, can I just direct, just, you should just share what you shared with me earlier. Okay. Okay. Well, it it's a little uh,
0: sensitive, maybe again an, another t- place where where I think we can get um, we can get into some murky water, but but I would say the idea of giving heed to seducing spirits, some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits is the reason that they that they depart from the faith, and and they fall away from the doctrines and they follow doctrines of the devils. Um, in the in just just October's general conference uh, earlier this month, we we heard from President Nelson, and he said a very interesting line, the very last talk of general conference. He says this phrase: "He says never take counsel from those who do not believe." And I remember when he said that, Such I thought, "Whoa, that's a that's a statement." So I rewound it, we listened to it again, and I think we paused it, and I said, "What does that mean? Not to take counsel from those that that don't believe?" And yeah and I think uh, outside of the church that could be a, a and it is it ha- has been it's been a line that a lot of people have glommed onto and right, yeah. and um, and made a, a thing and, you know um, as I think and again I want to be really careful about this I, I think in my I don't know last six months or so we've had a number of podcast episodes where I talk about counseling and how counseling can be good and helpful and healthy but it can also be a dangerous thing I I've had some experiences myself personally with my children Mm -hmm. after some experiences in their life where counseling was actually kind of detrimental to them. Um, And uh, again, I I don't want to say that it's always that, but I do think taking counsel the way that President Nelson is inferring it here is not taking counsel from anybody but someone that believes in your faith, that has your Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints beliefs and doctrines and Um, When we were talking about this the other day with my children um, and that that line, I said, does that mean that you can't go to, like, a faith leader on campus at Boise State that's not a, a member of your own faith? And at first they were like, whoa, I don't know. And I work really closely with people on campus here. They're wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy over at the Biblical Study Center that, man, just a rock star of a guy. And I would hope that if my daughter on campus here was struggling and he was close, that she would go to him and say, help. Because of his faith in Christ, I know the counsel that he would give mm-hmm. was, would be good counsel. It may not be full counsel. Mm-hmm. It may not have all the, the, um, the contraptions that we have in the church to help, right? Yeah. The priesthood lines or the the Relief Society um, resources, Um, but but it would be good and it would be right. Um, It would be faith-filled and faith-focused. Yeah. And I think President Nelson is saying, go to those who have faith. Take counsel from those who have faith in Christ, and don't take it from those who don't. So what's interesting is I as I as I knew it would happen as soon as he said that I knew that the world would take that and spin it all kinds out of control. So I went to the Internet just very quickly. And basically, the first thing I found <laughs> yeah, when putting it in was a guy who put up a post who said at a recent Mormon general conference, so off the top, you know, the yeah. guy is probably picking a fight. Yeah. Uh, and then he quotes President Nelson. He says then in his own quote, he says, so don't listen to your doctor if he has a different faith structure than you don't listen to a police officer, a firefighter, emergency responder, if they have a different religious belief than you. Yeah. If a member of your family has a different belief, don't listen to them. Yeah.
1: Like, so that, like, so that's what President Nelson yeah, That, that like. is yeah. not at all what was being intended. That was sarcasm in my tone, for right? those who don't yeah. know me, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? If a book, news, article, journal was written by someone with a different belief, don't read it. I, it is so not what was intended. And I think it is exactly what Paul is saying will happen in our day. Mm -hmm. Right, and you spoke to this a little bit, and I love what you said about it too. So, that that those will some will depart uh, from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. This person is fulfilling this uh, prophetic counsel that some will seduce others away by (laughs)
1: twisting the the righteous into unrighteous. Yeah, and. Uh, talking it made me think of Second Timothy chapter one. I loved verse seven. 2 Timothy one, verse seven. Okay. Paul teaches, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, mm. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And uh, I'll i read some scripture references that I tied to that that just helped me understand that verse better. Matthew eight twenty six and he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful? O ye little faith, O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Mm. Matthew 6, verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Mm. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, this is Matthew fourteen thirty one, and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Mm and um anyway just as i as i thought about this verse and connection with those seducing spirits i I thought about how in the and a lot of conversations i've had with some friends and mostly in the church um there's just kind of this vibe i feel that that having doubts right which right can be like triggered by these seducing spirits having doubts is like this like badge of honor that we wear, you know like well i'm a doubter it's like wow thank you you're so inspiring you know and, and, look at you yeah yeah exactly and i kind of put doubt in the place of fear for god had not given us the spirit of doubt but of power right and um and i think part of it is because in the scriptures they use the word doubt a little differently today we use doubt to mean concerns and questions mm-hmm. back then and And doctrinally, as Elder Renlund um, explained it in, I think it was 2021 in the summer to in a talk given to seminary teachers, doubt isn't to have questions or concerns, doubt is the mindset with which you approach your questions or concerns. Mm -hmm. So so everybody has questions and concerns. And that's not a problem, like that's Mm -hmm. that's just the life process, right? But you can either approach those questions and concerns with doubt. Or you can approach them with faith, and this is a per- these seducing spirits, is in what you just read from the internet perfect example. Mm-hmm. How do we approach a question concern with doubt? Well, we take one line out of context and try to twist it into something yeah. that's untrue.
0: Yeah.
1: We when we read something like something on the internet, our a doubtful mindset would be, "What? That's crazy!" that president Nelson said that. Yeah. Right. A faithful mindset says, "Well, this is one line. Like we'll let's we'll, let's we'll look at that." Yeah, let's read the whole talk. Look at it in context. Look at it in context. Right. Let's see what he meant, right? A faithful mindset says, well, like, let's, let's trust the prophet of God before we trust, you well, know... Yeah, L- let me give you the next sentence. Ready? Yeah,
0: let's The it. next sentence. So, never take counsel from those who do not believe. The next sentence is, seek guidance from prophets, seers, and revelators, and from the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. It is not follow blindly only prophets... It is not, don't listen to the policeman who helps you down the road. It is very clear and very specific instruction. But we're being twisted. It's being twisted. Yes. And doubters want other doubters because there's comfort there. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's amazing to me how how I know people in my life who have, have walked away from the church and they just can't put it away. and And I think in their mind it's a defensive mechanism to help other people you know, I don't want other people to go down the same path I went down but at a certain point in your life you, you think you'd say I'm so much happier without the church in my life so I'm going to just leave it alone but, but it isn't that way it's very rarely that way actually and I think there's maybe something telling to that. Um, that that seducing spirit right but let me keep reading in chapter 4 yeah verse 2 says speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats.
1: <laughs> this is last days up, State of Idaho For loves that night. one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. I think Paul knew so clearly what was going to happen. We were going to get into this wonky world where those who don't believe are the ones who are giving the most counsel about how to be happy and even to the point where marriage won't be a thing we we will counsel each other out of marriage we will counsel each other out of even eating meat the most basic of like sustain your life thing we will go so far into these strange roads to counsel each other about what is healthy even though god has said this very simply is for you for your health for your happiness and we will go down all kinds of wonky th- roads
1: to get happy. And and to clarify, too, right? Like, there's a difference between, oh, I don't want to eat meat. Sure. And yeah. you're a sinner because right. you're eating meat. <laughs> yeah, right. right, yeah. I've
0: got a son who, uh, weirdly, doesn't eat meat all the time. Mm-hmm. Just like we're having meat for dinner. He's like, I don't want that. And I've got a daughter who just randomly, every once in a while, is like, I'm a vegetarian today. <laughs> I, yeah, like, yeah. She just doesn't want to eat meat. Yeah, I, That's fine. I think that I think that's
1: taste more than it is policy and practice right? right but that's that's part of that's one of the um characterizing one of the characteristics of these oh yeah seducing spirits right is is they it's like they're they're putting their opinions on you You can even get it from the tone from this guy right it's like yeah. if you believe this like you're you're crazy right and so there's this spirit of condemnation we see that not that we're going to start talking about it but in politics we saw it with the vaccine you yeah. see it is these seducing spirits like it's not enough just to try to change your mind. It's change your mind or you're a bad person right. And that's just not the case.
0: no or, or look at these prophets and apostles who are trying to get you to think a certain way and that's a bad thing. Yeah like like really? It, isn't that exactly what prophets and apostles have always done? is, is tell me what's wrong with society and how I should live differently. That, that's exactly what God asks them to
1: do. Yeah, it's, it's fundamentally, like, the thing I gain the most from my relationship with my Savior is he tells me how to think right. and how to feel and what to do. And it takes me a little while to get there sometimes, yeah. but but when I follow what he is what He is telling me, so right, I guess you could set it up, the seducing spirit's over here and then the spirit of Christ over on yeah. the other side. Yeah. When I follow the spirit of Christ mm-hmm. and allow the spirit of Christ to tell me how to think, because yeah. ultimately, this guy on the internet, he's trying to tell us how to think. Right. And so he's no different than what he's condemning, right? Yeah. Um, when we follow the spirit of Christ and allow him to tell us how to think and how to feel, and, and we go through the repentance process to change our character, yeah. joy is the result. Yeah. Joy is just the feeling we get as we become
0: more like the Savior. Yeah, I, I think that's significant. I, I think all the way through this, um, this chapter, um, he's talking about how... Uh, our faith really needs to stem from Jesus Christ, from the gospel, from prophets and apostles. That that we should not lean on our own understanding. The latter days, people will fall because they become um, they become wrapped up in what other people are telling them that they should do and not yeah. listen to God anymore. Then, verse twelve: Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. It's just basic, right? Yep. Go study. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Now, this is counseled directly to Timothy, right? Yeah. Which was given thee by prophecy with laying on of hands of the presbyter, or the elders. The presbyter yep. is the elders, right? This, this assignment you have, Timothy, don't forget you have priesthood keys. You've been given the authority to make these changes, to counsel and direct your people in a very specific way. I think of that young elders quorum president who, with hands laid on his head, was given power and authority through the priesthood to have revelation for his brethren in his quorum. To, to forget that the power and authority comes from God to do that, I think we become, we become weary of our own strength, we, we look to those around us to guide and direct us. We seek for counsel from those that maybe don't believe, at least don't have the same authority as we have. And then we err in our calling. We err in our assignment because we don't value what Heavenly Father has given us and we turn to others to teach me what I should know instead of turning to God. Kind of speaks to President Nelson's counsel and I don't have it up in front of me where he's talking about uh, just in this last talk as well where he's talking about how uh, those that struggle with addictions, that God is displeased with addictions because ultimately it is us turning somewhere else. It's a false god. It became yeah. a false god. Right. We turn there instead of turning to God yeah. for a solution to our problem. Yeah. Same kind of thing. We're turning aside and looking for a resource anywhere other than God. And uh, we will be led astray when we do. Yeah. Um, can I take
1: us backwards a little bit? Yeah, verse 10. Th- hmm I read this verse and you just... Think about this conversation about these seducing spirits and and uh, and these these choices that we make, right? To to follow them or to follow the Savior and the roads and paths that those lead us down. I read this verse and it made me think of something. But President Nelson said, "I'd love to just hear your thoughts on." Uh, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, which I just I just love that line, right? Like the. They, they labor and suffer reproach, right? Like, they, there is a diff, There is a weight of being an apostle mm. that just, mm. I, I can't even begin to imagine. Because we trust in the living God. Mm. I know that trusting in the living God is the best way to live. Who is the savior of all men. And then you have this line, especially of those that believe. Mm. It made me think of something that President Nelson said. Um... Let's see. Oh, here it is. Uh, In this Power of Spiritual Momentum, this is April 2022, he says, The Savior loves us always, but especially when we repent. Which is kind of interesting to me, because I just kind of like, the way that I've conceptualized God's love is like a meter like I don't know, if, like in like a like a video game, you like level up, and right? there's, there's like a like level one hundred is like life, the yeah. max. Yeah, it's like that's like the max you can. Like, all of us like our love mm-hmm. capacity or meter is at like a two mm-hmm. or two and a half. You know, maybe if you're like really good, right? Um, the God's at one hundred, and so his capacity, like they're just, it's infinite, and you just can't like love more than God, right? And so when I hear the prophet saying. That he the loves Savior loves us always, mm. but especially when we repent. It just caused me to pause and think, like, wow, how is that even, like, possible. what does he mean by that? How is it possible? Mm. He loves us, especially when we repent. And, um, and I, think, I think that one of the, the thoughts that I've—actually, Matt, I want to hear your thoughts first.
0: Well, I, I was just thinking, as you were saying that, um, about a talk President Nelson gave called Divine Love. Mm-hmm. Um, this was back in 2003. And he said... Let me just get to the top of this talk yeah, and see yeah. if there's a... He says, while divine love can be called perfect, infinite, enduring, and universal, it cannot correctly be called characterized as unconditional. And the talk ultimately says, God loves you. will always love you right. perfectly. As much right. as anyone can love anything, God's going to love you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, his... Ability to give you uh, the outward manifestations of his love are conditional. He wants you to have all of the blessings of his love in your life, but he can't give you some of those things if you haven't lived in such a way that you will receive them. And so, you as a child, think about our own children, right? If I have a child who I give a gift to and he never opens the gift, or he opens it and he just puts it on the shelf and never uses it, I've given him the same gift. But the child hasn't actually received the same expression of love from me mm-hmm. if he never goes and uses the gift, right? If he never has yeah. that a capacity, I think in this context, it's probably more so that the child never even opens the gift, Yeah. right? And totally. and maybe what President Nelson is saying is God won't even give you the gift if He knows you won't open it. He won't right. even give it to you. And because of that, there is a there is a level of of God's love that we can receive. Yeah. And so Jesus does love you more when you can when you are f- repenting because he can give you more. And it isn't a, it isn't an expression of a feeling. It's an expression of of reception. Yeah. That he can't give you his love if you aren't repenting. He can't do what he's actually wants to do for you. Um I, I for everybody out there, I would I would highly encourage you to read that talk from two thousand three from President Nelson yeah. called Divine Love. It, 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 it on the surface sounds a little confusing, and I want to make sure that it's not for you. So go read it. Go read the yeah. talk, because President Nelson's not confusing. I'm all kinds of confusing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. But ultimately, I think that idea is um, you know, God does reserve the highest degree of the celestial kingdom for those who are willing to receive it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: are willing to do the things God's asked us to do. Not that He doesn't want everybody there,
1: yeah. He just
0: doesn't want you to be miserable there. Right. And that's what it would be. If I don't want to live the way God lives, I would be miserable in heaven. It's it's Brad Wilcox's statement. He says, quote Heaven will not be heaven for those who have not become heavenly. Right? I mean like exactly that. It would be hell to be in a place where I could be around God all the time, but I want to be like not God. That would be miserable for me. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's maybe the Yeah, no beautiful maybe
1: it. a response to that question. Yeah, no great. I just just this um, this concept it uh, it just kind of inspires me to to want to be better right and and to to see the savior in his in his infinite love and and in his infinite desire to for me to receive all of that love right like recognizing that truly like I will receive that to a greater degree as I follow him Uh, it it uh, it inspires me because feeling his love has been if I were to rank order the best parts of my entire life, the top would be filled with the time. It, it's just, it's basically an order of when I felt his love the most Yeah. to what, to the least. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it has so much to do with my own decisions. In fact, it has everything, has everything to do with my decisions and nothing to do with my circumstances. Yeah. Right. But, um, well,
0: I think, I think, uh, it kind of speaks to me about the idea that there is an affixed law. There's a fixed punishment to every sin, mm-hmm. right? Is it Second Nephi chapter two, maybe, um, where we learn a little bit about that concept that for everything you can do wrong, there is an affixed punishment to that. Yeah. But conversely, for everything you do right, there is an affixed blessing to that, right? And yeah. and so for for every every day I wake up and I think I'm gonna go do that thing and that thing and that thing. They're all positive, good things. I'm choosing the blessings Heavenly Father can give me that day. And if I have an opportunity to choose better
1: <coughs> oh, It's driving me crazy. <clears throat> Wait, how much how much time do we have left?
0: Oh we can we can end pretty quick.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Jeez. If
0: I have an opportunity to choose better, I should probably do that. I should probably choose well I have this option, but mm-hmm. that would be better, so I'm gonna go do that thing instead, yeah. right? Good, better, best, Stellar Oaks talk, right? Mm-hmm. About just living our life. I, I love this. I, I love the I love that you've tied us to um, I love that you loved the affliction component that yeah that Paul loved that he was an apostle being asked to to deal with challenges and, and struggles. Maybe just quickly. Uh, second, epit- we, we got the Second Timothy today. Discussion, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we did it. We got there. We, we got, got there. Hey. a book. <laughs> um, I just love chapter one, verse seven through well nine. We won't read all that, but he says, "For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, which you read earlier, right? But of mm-hmm. power and of love and of sound mind." Then verse eight: "Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner." But be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose that, that we might be a partaker of the afflictions and recognize the good that comes out of the afflictions in our life as growth, as development, as help um, in our becoming more like god more like yeah. the savior right that's ulti- the ultimate goal is to see life for what it is the test but it's it's an active test test right it's a it's a process test where we're going to just in real time live the test right and and that that's the goal it's okay that it's not fun and it's not perfect and there's mm-hmm. are problems and afflictions Then we get thrown in jail sometimes right yeah, and we're totally. going to learn from those experiences right yeah well, Brother Lyons, this has been great. Tell us, to close, if there is any thought you have for young adults out there, maybe in connection with what we talked about today, maybe not, um, what would you want them to, to go away from this experience listening to you here today with us? Uh, what would you want them to be thoughtful of or mindful of?
1: Well, I think uh, we've said a lot, and so I'll add something that we haven't said yet, and it's from Second Timothy chapter 3. Okay. And the first chap, first half of this chapter, well, really the first two thirds, is he's just talking about the difficulties of the last days, mm-hmm. and then in verse fourteen he starts. Uh, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And I remember having this conversation with a friend in college. You know, a lot of times we get this bad rap in our church that we're these blind sheep or. We're being brainwashed or well, don't drink the punch, right. you know, whatever yeah. at right. the party or whatever and um, And and there's there are people who are brainwashed like they follow blindly because of what they don't know mm-hmm. But there are also people in the world who follow blindly because of what they do know. Yeah, and Paul mm-hmm. followed Jesus Christ blindly into prison into mm-hmm. storms mm-hmm. in persecution because of what he did know yeah, and I follow god blindly because of what i do know and the experiences that i have had and then in verse 15 he says and that from a child that has known the holy scriptures which are able to make the wise unto salvation through faith which is in christ jesus and it just made me as i read this thought about this student i had i'm um, in seminary and he was a kid that i pulled out into the hall a couple times because his behavior was you know you know that kid. One of those you kids. Maybe yeah. had one, yeah. one or two of those. I was that kid. And I was yeah. I I tell myself I've never taught a seminary student who was worse than I was when I was a seventh So don't again. I'm not. I'm not on a high horse over here. But um, pulled him out a couple times and and so one day I walk in and we're just you know my class presence is kind of starting class and we're just barely kind of getting you know the bells were, bells were rung yet but everyone's pretty much there and says they realized can I talk to you. And he, he pulls me out of class. And I was like, okay, what to, what do we have here? This is, a, this is a plot twist, you know what I mean? And, um, it's a preemptive so, strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, what do you need to tell me? Just he's do like, just tell me now. Yeah, what, yeah, what am I going to do wrong today? And uh, he, he pulls me out. And so I was kind of just kind of where we were situated. I, I walked out the door first because I was, like, closer to it. You know, mm-hmm. so, like, okay, yeah. So I just walk out. He's following me. And we just kind of turn the corner of this little, like, and anyway, we just kind of cornered of the building so we have a little bit of privacy. Sure. And I turn around, I remember I was walking in front of him, I turn around and I see tears streaming down his face. Mm. And now it's a real plot twist, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if it wasn't already enough, that he's pulling me in the outside, sure. right? And, and I'm just sitting there like, what is about to happen? And he goes on to share about an experience he had the night before. Mm and uh he shared that he had a an addiction to pornography that he's been struggling with for you know know, quite some time and his his mom and his sisters and his dad like they had all left to do something and he was left home alone Mm -hmm. and and his first thought was okay yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go start i'm gonna look at some pornography right now Mm -hmm. so he goes up to his room and he just shared how uh, he, he sat down on his bed and then he remembered how in seminary, every day, he had been, people had testified or shared or whatever. Like, read your scriptures every day. Read them every day. And so on this night, instead of pulling porno- out pornography, he opened up his scriptures. Uh, he went to Alma chapter 13. He started reading. And what he told me in the little alcove of, Our seminary building, there in the corner, is that he felt God's love more potently in that moment than he's ever felt in his whole life. Mm -hmm. And he testified to me of the role that scriptures can play in bringing us closer to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So every time I read verse fifteen, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, I think about him Mm -hmm. and his connection with Jesus Christ. That. Began to be strengthened in a major way because of a night that he decided to open up the scriptures
0: Wow, what a What a fantastic story. I, I might just take you to close into verse 16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness isn't it maybe where we get the most reproof when we read and the Spirit's teaching us as we're reading, where we need to correct our lives? In that young man's life, it came before he even read. But that through reading, you will know these are things you need to correct, right? Mm-hmm. That reproof. Uh, I, I I love that. I love that counsel, that direction, that daily reading, daily study. The prophets use the phrase daily study, not daily read, right? Mm-hmm. That we need to feast and have it. Well, Brother Lyons, thank you. Uh, it's so, thank you, Matt. Uh, it's so good to be with you, and, and our conversation has been uplifting. For me, I've learned, I have grown, and uh, I look forward to to having you back on. Will you come back?
1: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how much. Take me to lunch, then we'll Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, thanks, Brother. <laughs>